Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. This is Reed, joined by Viz, as always. Viz, you're about to take a trip to Philly, but otherwise, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Hoping this weather doesn't get so bad. I know it's bad there now, and it's coming our way, but it should be clear hopefully tomorrow to make that drive. But uh, things are pretty good. A little t- tilted on uh, from a DFS standpoint. They were running a contest yesterday to win a trip to, to Nashville to see the Sabres, like the one that I... Uh, one last year to go see the Sabres in LA. I ended up getting third place, and I don't know if anyone watched any Chicago Colorado game, but Brandon saw it in a goal in the second period that got disallowed because he kicked it in. But on the replay, it looked pretty clear that he kicked it, but then it hit his stick before it crossed the line and should have been a good goal. While, of course, it turned, they said it doesn't count. Then I had Tori Krug on my team. He hit the post, or he would have had a hat trick. And then Patrick Laine scored an empty netter right at the end to get his hat trick. And, you know, I lost by two points. So if any, any one of those things didn't happen, I would have been uh, in good shape. But uh, that's how DFS goes, I guess. The margins are so small. It was kind of good to get back in, uh, into a doll. I haven't played for, I don't know, a month or two. But otherwise, you know, for my head-to-head teams, it's setting up for the fantasy playoffs starting next week. And, you know, it's a... Uh, Interesting time for the dynasty teams that are out of it. We'll, we can hit on some guys later on that could be some good, you know, buy low potential guys that have, maybe right now aren't too relevant in twelve or redrafts, or they're only you know decent streamers, but guys that we're gonna definitely like going into to next season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you want to lay us off with some injuries? Um, I guess off the top of my head, Max Pacioretty. Uh, out four to he's just done for the season. I think he's out like four yeah. to six weeks. He's not coming back. There, there's no yeah, reason the, to bring yeah, him back. There's a few guys that are you know four to six weeks now. Him and and Besser. Like I just see no reason for them these two teams to bring them back. Like unless it really matters to Besser that he gets the thirty goals and he has twenty nine. Maybe he'll like come back for the last couple games. But I I don't even think they bother with that. Uh, Charlie McAvoy. You know, it sounded minor, but now they're saying four weeks with the sprain MCL. You know, he's a little different. Maybe he comes back with, you know, a game or two to try to get him a game before the playoffs start. You know, if you have the IR spot, you can hold him. Obviously, the same with Besser Petrae, just in case. But I have no problem even cutting him if, assuming there's no keeper uh, ramifications. Um. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go to which one am I missing here? Uh, Mark Scheifele got injured in last night's game. I don't think it's yeah, serious though. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't really heard an update, but it they Maurice didn't sound overly concerned. Same with uh, Riley Smith in Vegas. Uh, let's see, Carey Price. I mean, I don't I don't expect him to return at this point. Uh, Matt Murray's out again, so it looks like it's going to be Tristan Jari for the time being. And, and on the other side of things, uh, Wayne Simmons, by the time you hear this, he'll have already returned against the Penguins. Uh, that's about it, though, I think. I mean, it sounds like Truba's not too far away, which would pretty much zap uh, Tyler Myers' value. And... And Yossi hasn't played the last few games. At first, they said rest. Now they're saying uh, it's actually a minor injury to his uh, upper body. It sounds like he might be back 
uh, Thursday to the, well tonight when you guys are listening. It might be back tonight against uh, the Ducks, so that would be obviously good. That's why Eckholm's been doing better in the short term. But I, again, I have no faith in Eckholm without uh, or with all three of the other defensemen in their lineup. It just kills him too much. Once uh, once Ellis came back, he just hasn't done too much, and I would probably be fine just cutting him in a twelve or. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's really worth holding anymore. Um, other big injury news. Uh, there's no update on Austin Matthews yet, right? No, I haven't seen one. That's kind of a weird situation, too. Um, <laughs> there's nothing really there. I mean, we saw also Eichel's starting to skate, so he could be back relatively soon. But we thought they'd be shut down unless it came to the shorter side of his timetable, which it looks like it's going to. Yeah, I mean, Matthews, they said he's, you know, progressing, but there's there's no timetable there, so it's hard to it's hard to say what they're doing. I mean, they're, it would take a lot for them to not finish third in the division, so they don't really have a reason to push him, which, you know, sucks for people who have him in fantasy, but... I mean, now it's just you kind of just have to hold him and be patient. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Was there any other massive injury? I, I don't think Brian McDonough still hasn't skated yet with Tampa. Yeah, it was um, surprising because they 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 made it seem like he was supposed to play uh, Tuesday and he never did. And you know. I, I kind of like, I mean, I have to like him there because the, he's always been a guy. He's been a double-digit plus player every single season of his career. I mean, there, there's no reason to expect that to change when he's in Tampa Bay. And he's already, you know, a decent player in general. Like, he's had a down season, but he still was on pace for, like, 40 assists, uh, decent power minutes. So I would want to own him in a 12-er once he's back. I think – the interesting thing with in a redraft is like, what would you do with Sergeyev? Because I honestly cut him, and he he just hasn't really done much after the hot start. He's playing like 15 minutes a game only, and now I think you know McDonough's even going to zap his his value even further once he comes back. Yeah, um, it's sort of interesting what they did with Sergeyev. Like, I guess they didn't have the defensive the blue line depth to send him down for this year, but they don't, like, trust him with big-time minutes. I think next year will be a completely different story. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I just think – I think their plan might have been to set him down at some point, but he just started off the season so damn hot that they just kept him. And once he was already up long enough, they just rolled with it. Yeah, I mean, he had – they've been playing with seven defensemen for a while. They seem to really like that. Yeah, Coop, uh, yeah, Cooper does that a decent amount. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they still do it once, once McDonough comes back. I mean, now they have you know a couple, a couple young guys in their lineup that were just called up, uh, Adam Erne and Anthony Sorelli, and Corey Conacher still in the lineup. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those guys drop out for McDonough actually once he's back, and probably two of them once Palat comes back to, as well. But well, let's talk about uh, the other team in in the state of Florida. Obviously, the Florida Panthers, who 
you know, I I picked them to make the playoffs still in the last spot before the season started. Looked pretty hopeless, but they've gone on a massive tear now, and they're actually you know a pretty decent favorite to make the playoffs when you consider their games in hand. Their fantasy playoff schedule is amazing, and do uh, you have anything specific you want to talk about with Florida? I mean, I wrote about Nick Bugstad for Tuesday's notes, or for Wednesday's notes, I'm sorry, and you know, ever since he switched on to the first line with, with Barkoff and Dadnoff, and they slid Huberto down with Trocek, they've gone on this massive tear uh, that kind of sparked them, along with getting you know Luongo back from being injured. Uh, just general thoughts on this Florida team and um, if they make the playoffs, I don't think anybody actually wants to play them. Uh, if I'm if I'm Tampa, I'm actually a little bit nervous about playing Florida. Uh, I I'll be honest. I think Florida's going to get in. I'm I just don't trust Columbus enough right now. Uh, despite them making a bunch of kind of awkward trade deadline acquisitions. Uh, but like Tampa in the first round against Florida, first of all, that's a great series that that will be a boatload of fun to watch in terms of like just pure hockey, like entertainment perspective. Um, I, I love Florida right now. We, I think we both picked them to make the playoffs or yeah, I, I was believe, like, I believe so. or I had them like fourth in the division. I mean, I had Buffalo making the playoffs, so yeah. <laughs> um, but for Florida, like they're getting the depth scoring that we were complaining that they weren't getting the last time we had like a deeper discussion about them. They're mm-hmm. finally getting production from their third line. Like they're fi- like I think they got a goal from uh, Haley the other day or oh, on God. Tuesday. Like I can't believe he's even playing still. <laughs> right, like it, like it, it's a joke. But at that point, like, that's what matters, like right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what good teams do. They lose to Tampa 5-4 to four in overtime on an absolutely disgusting Braden Point toe drag goal. Oh. Um, but Florida outplayed them. Florida outshot them 49-33. Like, Florida actually played a really good game. Like, this was a really good game to watch, too. Mm-hmm. Like and again, they're getting production from these other. Oh no, Haley did not score. I I, I apologize, but like, Trocheck scored. Dadanov like, they're getting production. They're getting valuable minutes from these depth guys, and that's important. Like their third line is actually not acting like a joke. They're which is which was the biggest issue. Defensively, they weren't too hot in that uh, Tampa game. Who is against Tampa, though? Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, no one's that good defensively against Tampa. But they Man, weren't I awful. Get, like, no, I mean, I, I love the, the studs on this team, too. I guess my one, like, concern would be, like, Bogner plays their forwards more minutes than anybody else. Like, Barkov leads the league in minutes from a forward per game. Trocek's top five, too. They play these guys a ton. I don't think they could really play them more come playoff time. So they, I think other teams will gain on them a bit when, you know, if they played Florida, well, 
Stamkos and Kucherov are probably going to be playing 22, 23 minutes now too instead of the 20. It's, I think it's a bigger deal in, in basketball with these teams like you know, Minnesota's already playing all their, their superstars 40 minutes a game, whatever. So these other teams are going to make up ground. I don't think it's too big of a deal in hockey, but it does give me a little pause. But, yeah, I mean, you have to like how they're playing right now. I mean, they've gotten you know, let's see, 15 points out of the last 10 games. Looking pretty good to make the playoffs. And, yeah, they look buried for a while. I mean, I, at one point I think they're – the athletic had their playoff chances in, the, in single digits, and now it's about seventy. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd have to favor them over Columbus for sure right now. And I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise me if they caught the Devils too. I mean, they'd have to win or get five points in the next uh, three games to catch them with their games in hand. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure they're catching the Devils. Um, I, I'm not sure of it either. I just think it's it's in play. It would be kind of interesting if they end up playing, you know, Washington in the first round or even Pittsburgh or Philly. I think, I think it would be kind of a tough matchup for Pittsburgh in a way too. I mean, the third line would have a pretty big edge, but I I feel like with how Bogner rolls his lines, like they might just keep churning out. Uh, Barkoff and Trocek for like 24 minutes each in that game and just hope to fade the other 12. Yeah. Um, but then again, when you have studs like Barkov, Trocek. That's what uh, I mean. Like, like Uberdo hasn't even been doing that well lately. I mean, Dadanoff has obviously Boobstad, who, you know, I said I would pick him up and hold him mostly because their playoff schedule is, is so good. I mean, They've only played 64 games when a lot of other teams are at 66, 67. You know, we don't know if the last game of the season for them is going to count because that's the makeup game when the, the weather was bad in Boston and the schedules, from what I've seen, didn't include that game. But even if you get rid of that game, they still have 15 games in the last four weeks uh, with a bunch of back-to-backs. I mean, it's just a really good uh, schedule for those who play head-to-head. So i got to like all these guys, really. I mean, I guess you're you're running some risk of, like, Luongo breaking down if you play him too much, but, I mean, they only have three back-to-backs in that stretch. I They should be fine. I, I like their chances at this point. So do I. Um, so probably the other – there's actually two more hot teams I do want to discuss. Um, first is Nashville. Uh, they've won nine straight. They beat Dallas on Tuesday night, two to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, they are even in games played with Winnipeg, and they have six points up on them. I'm not sure Winnipeg's coming back from that. Um, no, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say this: it is a giant fucking just tragedy that that's going to be your second round matchup. That 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 Nashville Winnipeg is in this, is going to be in the uh, conference semifinals, right? Um, to me, these are the two best teams in hockey. And oh wow, yeah, I can't believe they have to play each other that early in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it was, we've seen it with Pittsburgh and the Capitals before this year. And like, I'm going to tell you now, we're going to see it with is... we're going to see it with Pittsburgh and the Capitals again this year. 
Well, yeah, but this year it's. I mean, this year it's not as bad as it's been. Like, really, that right now those would be. Actually, they would be the that would be the four or five matchup if you didn't like give the division winner a bonus because Toronto and Boston both have have more points than both of them. So this year it's not as much of a tragedy. I guess it's more of a tragedy. Boston Toronto is a first round matchup, and they are the second and third most points. Like, yeah. I mean, I I still think I'd take Tampa over both of those teams, but they would be second and third in my totem pool. And, yeah, it is a joke. I mean, it's even bad now the way it's looking that, you know, Vegas might get boned and play Dallas in the first round, and that would be pretty brutal. Like, if that happens, I I really like Dallas's chances to to make the, the final four and play the winner of Nashville-Winnipeg because – I think that's a tough matchup for Vegas, and I, I know they've had such an amazing year, and they'll probably win because because to <laughs> give me shit for doubting them. But I think Dallas is sitting pretty pretty right now, and that's they're right where they they want to be. I think. Yeah. Um, I will. Okay. I guess I'll, let's put a qualifier on because I did mention that it's going to be Washington Pittsburgh. What are the odds? All right, so the first round, I guess, in theory, would be Washington versus New Jersey. I think we're both Probably. picking Washington there. Yeah. Um, Tampa versus, right now it's Columbus, but I think it'll be Florida. Yeah. Uh, Boston, Toronto. Oh. Then the series that I'm, I'm like, actually interested in, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. What do you think? Yeah. The, all right, what do you put the percentages at for each team? Because I don't think it's as big of a gap as... Like 60 40, maybe, right? Like the Flyers could win that series in theory, yeah. Right? They're they've impressed me. I mean, way, I mean, we talked about them as the east, like their closest version of Winnipeg. I mean, Winnipeg, we said, could finish anywhere from second to sixth in the division, and I'm not surprised at all that they're in second. I mean, really, we might have even sold them short, and I, I didn't really like Philly's. But I saw the upside, uh, maybe a little less so than you did. But I mean, that top line is just vicious. And now that Nolan Patrick's playing some good hockey, you're getting Simmons back. That top six is pretty damn good. And the blue line hasn't been a disaster. I mean, my my worry is just Morazic falls on his face or Elliott or whoever they're playing. But. I mean, Matt Murray's been great the last two years in the playoffs. He hasn't been good this year. He's had a bunch of injuries now. If they have to go to Jari in the playoffs. Like I don't have faith I mean, in Jari in the playoffs. Right. So, I mean, I I really like what Brassard's addition has done to this lineup. It gives him legitimate three lines. And that probably would be a little tough for Philly. I mean, it's kind of tough for any team, really. But I, I don't like the bottom end of – uh, the Philly defense, and you know, I don't, I don't really like their their bottom six in general. But it, they're similar to Florida in the fact that their their studs are just so damn good that they they can match Philly or uh, Pittsburgh one for one. Like Couturier has given Malkin issues for a long time. I don't know if they'd want to change it up and put him against Malkin or uh, against Crosby instead, but. Yeah, I mean, I think Philly would have a, a legitimate chance. I mean, right, right, especially I think home ice would matter to a team like Philly, too, that 
hasn't been in the last few years. They have a decent – their core has been to the playoffs, but their young guys have it. You know, Morazic, he was only in the one year, and they lost to Tampa. So, I, getting at home, you say you win the first game, and you only get this confidence and go from there. I mean, it's not ideal for them that they're going to have to play uh, Pittsburgh probably, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe – some, you know, maybe Pittsburgh has a little bit of a downswing. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Devils could even climb back into second or third. I mean, I don't expect it, but we're, we're talking, you know, a four-point, two-game difference over 15 games. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. If Philly beats – if the standings kind of hold, Philly beats Pittsburgh and Washington advances to the second round – is that the first time? Is this going to be the first time Washington advances past the second round of the playoffs? Oof. I, I mean, kind of think ha- it- I kind of had this feeling like no one t- cares about Washington now, so they might make a run, kind of like the Sharks did a couple years ago, where everyone sort of gave up on them and then they made the finals. Like, I think Philly is kind of a tough matchup for Washington, though, out of the, along the same lines because. They can kind of cancel out those top two Washington lines. I guess I like Washington's, you know, bottom six a little better than Philly's. But even then, like they have the Holtby question now. He's been bad for a while now, and I have faith that he can turn it around. But we haven't really seen it. I mean, we're going on well over a month now of him being. They need to just send him disaster. home. They need to send him home for like a week. Just. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they did give Grubauer. Uh, he started like three out of four games at one point, but I mean, it's only been like a game or two since that. But um, they don't they don't have a lot of back to backs. I almost wish they did have more back to backs right now towards the end of the season just to make sure Holtby gets more rest. Uh, but I, I don't know. Do you do you think any of these three teams are going to actually push to get? Uh, to win the division, to get you know the home ice until the until the conference finals, or do you think they're just kind of going to however it falls, falls? I think it's going to be however it falls. Um, I don't think there's going to be any separate. I think Washington, Pittsburgh, and Philly are all going to finish within like four points of each other. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you. Yeah. Also, I, I think it's an interesting thing to take note of. The reason why the leader in the Metro is like 15 points behind the leader in the Atlantic or why the top three teams in the Atlantic all have more points than anybody in the Metro. Um, You play more games against your own division than you do other teams or again, like than other teams would. Right. And the, we, how many times have we said the Atlantic division outside of the top three, or I guess now four teams is a giant, like unmitigated disaster. Mm-hmm. So when you get if you're Tampa or Boston or Toronto, you get four to five games against Detroit, Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo. Although it's interesting because Tampa and Boston and looks like right now Toronto can't seem to buy a win against Buffalo, which is <laughs> to, which to me has to be the, the craziest fucking thing on the planet. Like how do you not beat Buffalo? Everyone can beat. Everyone can beat the Sabers. We could kind of talk about that too. If, like, 
it's funny you're saying that though. Like, yeah, the Sabres just beat Tampa. They beat Boston, I, I think, three times. And, you know, they've only played Toronto once, which is a weird scheduling quirk, and that was Monday, but they beat Toronto pretty resoundingly, too. It is kind of funny. But you're right, it definitely makes makes a difference. I mean, not enough for Tampa and Boston to be that far in front. I mean, it's not a 10-point difference, I don't think. But for Toronto, at least, like, that's probably the difference between Washington or, or Pittsburgh being ahead of Toronto or not. Yeah. Um, but so the up- talk, let's talk about the Sabres quick though. Just okay. Like Sam Reinhart, we're talking 23 points, last 22 games. Now Ryan O'Reilly, 25 and 25. And they're actually playing, you know, decent hockey in Eichel's absence. He should be back soon. Like how has the stretch, if it is at all changed your outlook for either of these two guys going forward, more so Reinhart, but, just your thoughts on them you know, for next season, for those who are in dynasties or anything in general, really, with those like, two. Okay, so I guess a lot of it comes down to how many of the players on the Sabres roster right now do you expect to be on their roster next year? Um, I like To me, the oh, only man. guarantee is Sam Reinhart and Jack Eichel. Um, in terms of like, full in terms of forwards, those are the only absolute positively guarantees. I think Akposo because his contract. Right. I, I believe, and there were reports that teams were sniffing out and calling the Sabers about a possible Ryan O'Reilly deal, and the Sabers didn't like the offers that were being or the the proposals that were being thrown their way. I think at the draft, the Sabres could look at Ryan O'Reilly and say, listen, he's making $7.1 million for the next five years. That's a lot of cap hit. And we haven't gotten that dynamic number two center production out of him when Jack Eichel's in the lineup and our team still stinks. So maybe if we get a large haul, we can do something with that. So that's why I don't have him as an absolute guarantee on the roster next year. Um, defensemen, like Brendan Gooley will be up there mm. full-time. I think Marco Scandella, because they traded for him and they really like him. Like, Otherwise, is there like, like I know they like Ristolainen, but... Yeah, he's, better... had a bunch, he's had a good last, I'd say, 20 games outside of... He had the one game. It was probably the worst game of his career. I'm trying to remember who it was against. Right. Offensively, he's produced very well, which is great for us fantasy players. But I guess defensively, he's looked kind of pretty not good. Um, well, it's, so during it's that tough situation, of- right? He, he's actually made huge strides as a possession player this year, which is, which is good to see. And I, he's just not a top guy, and he's been forced to play in the first pair for – you know, the last three years because they haven't had anybody else, I think. He's a really nice he, second-pair defenseman. Yeah, he's a good number three, a really good number three. And, I, I mean, he's still only 23 years old. I still think he could be a number two depending on who your number one's with. Like, I could – even regardless of who how good your number one is, I could see him turning into a decent number two. But I just think it's kind of – it's one of those things he's just been forced into a tougher role. I mean, I don't think they could would trade him, but I suppose there's like – 
a somewhat of a decent, not not even a decent chance, somewhat of a chance that I wouldn't call him like a stone cold lock to be on the team. I'll I'll agree with you in that regard. Um, so like I, I think Sam Reinhardt will get some bridge deal, and they'll. I think he's going to be really good next year. I don't know. I said that this year, and he had like 13 points in like 41 games or something <laughs> terrible. But lately, like he's one of the best like fantasy players in the past 20 games. Like he's just been really consistent, really good. So, yeah, I mean that that's the big thing too. Like even if you ignore the points, uh, shots three, four, four, three, three, four, three, four, four. His last 10 games, so you're finding some consistency in that regard, which, I mean, in a good year, you know, he has 26 poly minutes this year. That's more than he had in the first three seasons combined, or two seasons really, but by like a decent amount, he had eight poly minutes each season. I feel like this 26 poly minutes are like a best case scenario for him. So you kind of need that shot rate to get up, and it was bad earlier in the year. Now with such a heater, he's like, almost up to average. I, mean, I could see him being close to a three-shot-per-game guy. Now, if you're getting that with 60 points, now you're talking about a guy who's a hold. If he's back around two shots a game or he drops down the, the low 50s in points on, on a per-game basis. He becomes a streamer. Per-season per season basis. Then Yeah, <clears throat> then he's only a good streamer, right? So it's a tough – it's a little tough to, a situation to gauge, but – He's always been a good possession player, even being on a bad team. Like compared to the rest of the Sabers, I mean his his relative possession is seven, which means he's seven percent better than the his average teammate. So it's not just it, in context; it looks really good. Even not, I mean he's over he's fifty two percent Corsi, so he's driving the play. He's actually been. Or the Sabres have been a bit unlucky when he's on the ice. They're only shooting 6%. So I think he could be a guy. I mean, I'm targeting him next year for sure. There's plenty of upside here. No matter who he's playing with, he's going to be on the first power play. He's great in front of the net. And he's just showing why he was the second round or the second overall pick. He just turned 22. Like, it takes some guys' time. We've talked about that before, though. He's not the only one that we've seen some of these young guys just take the league by storm, and it just makes you worry that these other guys are bust right away. But basically forever, outside of the superstars, it takes guys a few years, and we're seeing Reinhardt's third year. He's finally making the stride, and hopefully he continues it for the rest of the season. It's not just some random 20-game hot streak. Yeah, hopefully. Um, uh, there's one last hot team I want to discuss. Uh, and it's not Winnipeg, although they've been they were eight and two in their last ten, and they've won three straight. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes are seven <laughs> two and one in their last ten. The um, Desert Dogs, the Desert Dogs, they and I guess we're posting this Thursday morning, so yeah. we won't even know how they did. They're playing Vancouver without Brock Besser uh, last night. Oh, I'm trying to do this time thing right again. Yeah. So. <laughs> We don't even have that uh, result, but if they win tonight, or if they win, yeah, if they win last night, they're tied with the Sabers for points. Yeah, they're gonna I mean, play their way. They're gonna play their way out of the bottom of the standings. I think 
Antti Ranta is getting himself paid because I mean his save percentage on the season is nine twenty four. I don't think people are I don't think people are realizing how good he's actually been. Like that is pretty damn good. And you know, that's a big reason why they've gotten going. He's stayed healthy. I mean, they played Wedgewood for twenty games and he had an eight ninety three. Like you you're just dead. There's no other way around it. They had Domingue for seven games earlier in the season, eight fifty six. When Ronta's been in, like his record is fifteen, fifteen, and six, and that's the kind of team we thought Arizona was going to be this year. We thought they were going to be right around fake five hundred, maybe even like pushing eighty five points. So it really has just been the, their backups have all sucked. And when Ronta's played, they've been in it, uh, especially lately. They're finally getting. Uh, Max Domi is starting to come around lately. Uh, he's still frustrated the hell out of me after how good he was his rookie season. But, you know, Keller's back on track, step on. Uh, they're giving secondary score. I mean, Brendan Perlini's got 16 goals on the season now. Uh, despite this year, you know, maybe this ends up being the best case for Arizona because they still really need that, that true superstar. I don't think... Keller is going to be that. I do think he's going to be a first-line winger for sure, but I'm not sure he's like carry your franchise good kind of player. So maybe in the long run, this will be good for them if they hit that guy in this year's draft. But it is a setback, but I'm not. I'm still not really discouraged by what Arizona is doing going forward. Um, do you think Rasmus Dahlin is the franchise saver for Arizona? I mean, I think he is for basically anybody. I, I would expect him to be able to step in and play first pair against top competition right away, and that really moves the needle. I mean, at that point, if you can't keep OEL, even if you can't and you get some package for him, you just set up so well when you already have Chicharin, too, who I really like. Uh, Jalmerson's been playing better lately, too. He looks like he's finally back on track after a really brutal start. Uh, I, I like a decent amount of their prospects, too. Like, uh, I, I think for whoever gets gets Stalin, he's absolutely a franchise changer. Okay. Because, I mean, the big issue we have with Arizona, right, is scoring. Like, their mm-hmm. offensive, you look at their forward lines and you just, like, you get, like, goosebumps. You're like, oh, God. Like, not in, right. like, oh, my God, that's scary in a good, like, <laughs> right, that's right. scary dominant. You're like, oh, my God. Like, that's what they're putting out there. Um, And then one last thing I'm going to let you do an in memoriam for, uh, we can give a eulogy for the Calgary Flames this year. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. um, I don't think, uh, just so the listeners know, I don't think I've ever seen someone so tilted in a text message. The way Viz was when discussing how Calgary has completely botched their uh, playoff run this year, or yeah, their attempt pretty, to it's make pretty the playoffs. awful. It's pretty awful for you to waste. Like how good of a year the the three M line Kachuk Backlund for a week has had. Uh, obviously, you know Monahan's been struggling lately, but he's having his best year. Goudreau's well over point per game, and. They're just wasting it because this bottom six is just a tire fire. And it should have been addressed at the deadline, and it wasn't. They just got more guys who are fodder, like Chris Stewart and Nick Shore. It's just – it was covered up somewhat by uh, 
Mike Smith and how well he was playing. And the injury really did kill them. But part of it, you know, now the shooting regresses and it immediately kills you because your your goaltender is out. And, I mean, Riddich, oh, my God, or Gillies the other day against Pittsburgh almost gave up a goal for the full length of the ice. It literally got through him. It was on the, blue, on the goal line. He got cleared out. He overcommits all the time. He's just awful at this point. It's just it just sucks to waste. I mean, such a good year they're getting from their top six. Really, you know, Bennett and Jankowski have shown flashes too, but they're they call them the chaos line, chaos line in Calgary because they they score a lot of goals and they give up a ton of goals. So I mean, that's fine in your third line, but there's just I mean, Brower, Stajan, Lazar. They had fucking Tanner Glass up. Like they just have so many guys that are just bad, and they don't. Play Dougie Hamilton enough minutes, and that really bothers the out of me too. Like, this is a guy who should be playing 26, 27 minutes a game. He's an absolute beast, and he's averaging 21 minutes a game. Brody's playing more than him. Come on, are they completely dead? No, because we've seen this team go on 10 game winning streaks before. If they get Smith back, it's not like the craziest thing in the world. You look at their schedule. They only played three games a week the last four weeks. It's spread out, so they're going to be rested. They're not going to have to really worry about back-to-backs. Excuse me. So, like, it's probably like 20% they make it or something. They're not like completely dead, but it's just it's just such a waste of quality play from their top guys, and just shows you like I don't like Glenn Goldson. He just plays that fourth line too many minutes and. It, it's it's just oversimplifying things, but like, there's no reason these guys should be playing like ten to twelve minutes a game on average. They're just not really NHL caliber players, to be blunt. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, I don't understand why they prioritize certain players in certain lines over just just run your studs, man. Like yeah, you're three I, points out of the playoffs. You have played one more game than the teams you're trying to mm-hmm. catch, and you have to jump St. Louis, Colorado, and the Kings. I'm not going to say you have to worry about Chicago because you don't. No. Pretty much Chicago, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona are the teams that are just out of the playoffs. Like They're right. not getting in. There's no run. There's no, like, I'm not seeing a run for Chicago all of a sudden to get back in. They're five points behind Calgary. There's, they're 11 points out of a playoff spot. Like, they're done. Yeah. Um, so it's like I don't want to bash them. Like so, I watched them play Pittsburgh the other day. They got those two goals early, but then they dominated the rest of that game. The game before they lose to the Rangers, they outshot them fifty-one to twenty-seven. Lundqvist made fifty saves. They played the Avalanche the game before that game. They were up, then blew that. They didn't deserve to win that game. Two nothing to the Stars. That was just a, a solid game, and they, you know, they came on losing again. They just couldn't score. Whatever. That's four losses in a row where you get one point, and really, they probably had the better of. They definitely had the better of the last two games. Probably three of the four, and it just shows you like you can't be without your goaltender. You're just you're dead. The, the one good thing for them, you look at their schedule. You know, they played the Sabers yesterday. Uh, you have Ottawa. Uh, you're playing the Islanders, who are in free fall. They have a couple of games with Edmonton. They had a couple of games with Arizona. And then you have your games with 
you know, the teams that are in front of you, the Sharks, the, the Kings, the Ducks. So at least you're getting games against bad teams uh, for the most part or teams you're chasing. They do have two games with Vegas still, but and they have the Jets the second last game. But who knows? We could talk. We could kind of transition into the, Nashville resting some guys. Maybe that becomes the new way. Like, I mean, the last game of the year with Vegas, I mean, I'd be absolutely shocked if Flurry played either way. But maybe you see other guys rest too. Do you think that teams are going to rest some guys down the stretch, or is this mostly going to be uh, a Nashville thing? Um, to me, it's going to be almost like just a Nashville thing. I, there's two teams that I could see doing this. Nashville, and then I think it's Toronto. Um, the reason I say that I think is kind of straightforward. If I'm uh, Tampa, or if I'm Tampa or Boston, I don't want to play. I think I I don't really care what my first round matchup is, and I Boston still. Home ice. Yeah, I think I just want home ice. So they're going to be trying to duke it out. So you want to see Tampa rest anybody until they've clinched the division. Mm-hmm. And once they clinch the division, they'll clinch home ice in the East. Okay. Nashville, I think, is the only team that's up a comfortable enough amount where, and I guess Vegas too, where you could see like four games out from the end of the season, they start resting guys. But it all comes down to how many points up do you have on everybody else, right? So like Nashville right. is six points on Winnipeg. And like I, I don't really see Nashville. They have an e- even amount of home games to road games remaining. If I'm Vegas, like I could totally see myself resting some people because I have nine points up on Anaheim and I have a game in hand. O- okay, fine. And if I'm Vegas, I don't really see myself catching Nashville. They're six points back. But if like. How is Washington going to rest anybody? They're one point ahead of Pittsburgh. How is Pittsburgh going to rest anybody? They're one point behind Washington and only one point up on Philly, and Philly has a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Like you, like some of these teams are going to have to prioritize home ice. Like if I'm Pittsburgh, if we're talking about prioritizing home ice, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm twenty-five, eight and one at home. I'm thirteen, seventeen and three on the road. So a couple things. One, they have. Uh, quite a few more road games than home games remaining. And they're not even that good on the road. They're Mm -hmm. sub 500 on the road. So, like, they kind of need to get some form of home ice, in my mind. I know the playoffs are a different story, and I know you have Kessel, Malkin, Crosby. I I get that. But Murray hasn't looked that strong this year. You need the home ice if you're Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. Washington probably prefers home ice as well. Like, they're right at around fake 500 on the road. Uh, Philadelphia, actually, surprisingly, pretty pretty good on the road. Uh, 18, 11, and 5. Like, that's not bad. Yeah. But, you like, these teams need home ice. So, I, I don't see – I don't – it's tough for me to find people in the east – the only reason I think Toronto could is because they have 14 points up. Uh, they're 14 points up on Florida. I don't think they're going to get caught by Florida. There's they're not catching Boston or Tampa, right? So and Frederick Anderson has been trying to bail this team out, and defensively they just look like a complete train wreck. 
defensively. So they might start resting guys. Like I could see Willie Nylander getting a game or two off. I could see Mitch Marner getting a game or two off. Nazem Kadri would be a big one. I would absolutely give a game or two off to because you need his physicality and his pestness, which I'm just making that word up. You need that in the playoffs. Like you're going to need that. So to me, it's sort of hard to find too many teams. I think, Nashville's smart by doing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're in a better situation. I mean, you look at their team, they really have 13 forwards who could play every game with Fisher coming back. So they can kind of rotate, give these guys a rest. Like, I assume, like, Hartnell's going to get scratched at one of these points. But, like, you know, come playoff time, it's going to be tough. Like, are they really going to sit, like, Colton Sissons or Austin Watson? Like, I guess. But those are pretty solid bottom six players. That just shows you like how stacked their forward group is, because like the top six is locked in stone. Really, now you have Yarncroak, Bonino, Fisher, Hartman, Hartnell, Sissons, Watson. That's six of those seven in your bottom six. Like that's that's pretty freaking ridiculous. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, I think we see a decent amount of UC Saros down the stretch, and oh, you know, maybe maybe Winnipeg doesn't really push too much. Maybe you see some more of Steve Mason. He did have a shutout Tuesday against the Rangers, but I mean, whatever, it's the Rangers at this point, but um, maybe we see them occasionally rest a guy or two, you know, big ball for Wheeler, but I don't think it's I don't think it's too much. I just would say, you know, for the people, you know, baseball, you're used to checking every day what's going on. Hockey, you can usually set your lineup in the, the afternoon and you're good for the day. Now you might have to give it a check, you know, a half hour, you know, before a game start to make sure that your guy's not sitting out of nowhere. Like Kyle Turris last night, they announced him as out, uh, you know, a half hour before the game started. He didn't come out for warm up, So you're not getting much of a warning, I don't think, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about teams that have been hot lately. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we need to talk about two players or three. I'm going to bring up three players. Um, one, Taylor Hall, obviously, uh, points in 19 straight games and in 25 straight games that he's played in. Um, again, I, I, there's really not much that needs to be said other than that's just incredible for a New Jersey team that everyone had pegged for just last in the Metro. Mm-hmm. Um He's just been electric. Uh, Eric Stahl has 36 goals this year, and he's at a point per game. And what has to be the quietest point per game in the league this year? Like, did anybody, like, even... First of all, how many people, if I told you that Eric Stahl was still playing, how many people would correctly (laughs) pin that he plays for Minnesota right now? Start there, then how many points do you think he has this year? First of all, he was a... Second overall pick in the 2003 draft. So he's the same age as Corey Perry and Ryan Getzeff. He's at 67 Mm. points this year. He's got 36 goals. He's not slowing down either. The shot rate might be a little bit high at 19.3%, but like he looks really good. And Minnesota's been really good lately too. Yeah, I mean, it's they look like the team who's going to take a tough beat because they're going to probably play Winnipeg in the first round, but... Man, that first line of Stahl, Granlin, Zucker is just crushing it right now. Dominating people. You're right. Stahl is, like, he's not getting enough credit. I don't think he got enough credit last year 
he's somewhat I think he got more credit last year for bouncing back as he was his last year in Carolina and then the end of that year in the with the Rangers was just bad. And you know, last year he came back on the radar at sixty five points, you know, it was just a very steady across the board season. And I mean he's on pace for eighty eighty two points and forty four goals. Like that's absolutely insane. And I don't think he's being been talked about at all. Like there's there's just so many good stories around the league this year and you know, he he's why they're doing this well. Like Dubnik has been solid, you know, nine eighteen save percentage, but that's not like not a been a world beater. Stalock certainly hasn't when he's played. Uh, it really is these top guys uh, in the in the wild blue line as well that have boosted them. But it all it all starts with Stall. Um, and then the, and, and, I mean, if you want to talk about Taylor Hall some more, we can. I mean, I yes. just feel like I mean it's it's twenty six game points. I, I mean that's just mind boggling. And I mean, I, I think assuming the Devils get in, I think. He's probably the Hart Trophy winner, and we thought it was Kucherov's. Uh, but at this point, I, I think I'd have to give it to Hall because when he doesn't play well, which obviously hasn't been for about two or three months now, but um, the teams just they lose. There's, there's no other way around it. And I think the gap between Hall and the second-best player on their team – I mean, who do you think the second-best player on their team is? In terms of forwards, it's... I mean, probably any... I'll say anybody. Well, let's not say Schneider, but of the skaters. It's probably um, Votnin or... Is it crazy that I think it's Hishire or Palmieri? I was going to say Palmieri, but either way, though, that gap is so massive. And how many other teams have a gap like that of, of these top guys? Like, I mean, you can maybe make an argument that the gap from Ovechkin at this point <laughs> because he's been absolutely ridiculous, but they still have Kuznetsov or and Bastion, whoever, you know, Carlson, even on the blue lines, having a terrific yeah. season. Like the gaps aren't that big. I feel like the gap in, in New Jersey is just absolutely massive. And you now he's playing top lines every game. He's playing against top pairs every game. He just, he doesn't get much help from, his defense he doesn't give him help from his line mates, honestly, and you know he's just been an absolute monster. And I, I think right now he he would be my winner for the heart. Um, if they make the playoffs and he just keeps doing what he's doing, like yeah, I mean yeah, he, he should. Have... There's only one way in which I don't see him potentially winning the heart, and we talked about it before we started recording, and that's mm-hmm. if Colorado makes the playoffs. And Nate McKinnon keeps producing the way he is on a point per game basis. Nate McKinnon's actually the best in the league right now. Um, he missed significant time. He's seven, eight games back of all these other guys that have like Kucherov. He's seven games back of Kucherov. He still has seventy eight points in fifty eight games. He has seventy eight points in fifty eight games. On a team that finished dead last last year. That was historically one of the worst yeah, teams we've ever that, seen in the NHL. Dead last doesn't even do it justice. No, I mean, like they, they would have so been so far back. Like I said, historically one of the worst teams we've ever seen in the NHL in the modern era. Like, and he has 78 points in 58 games, and they are 
how many points out of a playoff spot? They're not. They're, they're, they're not. They're tied right now. They're I mean, tied. They don't have the tiebreaker. That's so. That's the only reason they're out right now. Like, it's just I, I, both of them. It's like it's like like <laughs> to the point where like, we're almost not giving Kucherov Kucherov enough credit for how good he's just been the entire season. But I mean, these guys too have been that way, and now they're just on this ridiculous upswing. I I can't remember so many guys having like legitimate heart can't. Uh, how should I put this? They're being legitimate candidates. Like we're not talking about Kopitar now. He's well over a point per game too. Like dominating against top lines with Dustin Brown and Alex Iafalo. Like that is ridiculous. And there's just so many like Marsh. I mean, really the whole top line in Vegas. But like Blake Wheeler, absolutely incredible season too. Seventy five points right now in sixty six games. I mean. He might get a vote or two. He's not going to win. He's not. He's not going to be in the top three, and that just shows you. Like there have been years where a guy has Wheeler season. He's an easy winner. The year Tavares won, like that was a rough year. No one had more than eighty six points. I don't think uh, he ended up tied with Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben won because he had more goals. But like Marshawn, ridiculous season again. Like if he didn't get hurt, he'd probably be the number one player in fantasy or suspended because. He's hitting all the categories again. Like Giroud, Couturier, both of them. I mean, Kessel all season. There's just Ovechkin. I mean, we haven't seen Ovechkin put out this many assists in almost a decade. And yeah. he's legally in goals again. Like, there's just <laughs> so many amazing players right now. Like, there are a lot of very good performances. Um, I mean, even I mean, even compared to other years, like where some goalies get consideration, like Vasilevsky has been incredible. And he won't sniff a vote. He because, no, you know, no goal he's going to this year because there's so many other good candidates. But I mean, he's been as good as some other goalies who have won. So it's just it's crazy how the top end guys. I mean, we haven't even talked about Tyler Sagan, who I don't think is a, a candidate, but he also has 36 goals like Stahl does. Like no talk about him, and he's on pace for like 44 goals. <laughs> like. The the top end talent is really shining right now throughout yeah. the league. It's, it's um, the third player I want to talk about is Patrick Line. And we were just talking about how goals. Patrick Line is thirty eight goals now on the season. Um, the assist, I mean twenty three assists. Everyone gave the comparable to finish Alex Ovechkin when he got drafted. This stat line looks pretty much like finish Alex Ovechkin. Uh, when I'm when you look at the shot, the um, his actual shot, the shot attempts, the goals to assist ratio that he has, um, mm-hmm. the power play points that he has, just an insane amount of power play goals. He has 17 power play goals. Um, yeah, I, he I, has, always, I always like the. I mean, not to cut you off. I always like the comparison to Kovalchuk, but regardless, either way, like. Same idea. Right. Like, he has um, 19 points in his last nine games. 13 of those points are goals. 13 <laughs> goals in his last nine games. Like, like next year, is the Rocket race going to just be absolutely electric or what? Even this I mean, year, it, it's it is, great. It is this year, right? Even yeah, this it's year, it's crazy. great. But like him, him and Ovechkin now is like a real thing. Ovechkin looked like he was a little – he's starting to pull away since he got a little bit ahead of Kucherov, and now Line is just on this absurd heater. 
I mean, the crazy thing with Line is he's only averaging 16 and a half minutes a game. What happens if he plays 20 minutes? What happens if he starts shooting the puck more than a little over three times a game and he gets up to four a game? Like, to me, he's bordering on like a top five pick next season for that simple reason that if he gets that shot right up, you're, you could be looking at 50 goals, and it's not even a stretch. Like, he's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Like, you you look at it in, on a per-minute basis, he's well ahead of Ovechkin. You look at how many minutes per game Ovechkin's playing, and it dwarfs Line. Like I said, Line is at 16 and a half. Ovechkin is right at 20. That's an extra three and a half minutes right there. That's you know 20 percent more playing time for Line. Yeah. Like, when you think about it that way, it's pretty gross. And you know, it's I mean, there's so much to like. I've always been a Line fan. Who who isn't really? But it it's only going to get better. Which is um, scary because he's 19 years old. I know. Like he, I mean, he has 74 goals in the NHL. He's not even 20. Yeah, he's like if he, assuming he doesn't get hurt or anything happens, like he's a stone lock for over 500 goals eventually. Like it sounds crazy to say about a 19 year old, but I mean, 500 goals. He's, he's gonna do that before well, he's what 26. Oh, not that. I mean, it depends. He probably can get there by. Is in his upper twenties, like kind of like Ovechkin did. Like it's everything is in play for him, man. That shot is as good as it gets in the entire league. Yeah, it pretty much comes down to he needs to have like a sixty goal season. Mm-hmm. Like you, everyone needs if you're gonna be in that. Uh, like Ovechkin's two goals away from six hundred in his career. You need right. to have that, like, 60-63 goal season. You just need to have that one year where you literally, like, every shot just goes in. Right, because you're not going to hit 50 consistently unless you get to the Ovechkin part where you're shooting, getting, like, five shots on goal a game. It's just not going to happen. And that's what Line is going to have to do if he wants to get that high because I mean, he's already pushing 20%, and as good as his shot is, you're not really going to top that realistically. Like, no. He seems like a guy who can settle in as, like, a – a 16% shooter, 17, which sounds crazy, but when your shot's that good, he actually might be able to do it. You know, this year he's on pace for, what, about 46 goals. It's it's not going to get any higher without shooting more. Hopefully the shot rate goes up a bit. It can cancel out a little regression in the shooting percentage, and he can end up being like a 45 to 50 goal scorer every year where – in a bad year, he still scores 40, and if he gets lucky, he's pushing, like, 55. It would not surprise me one bit. No. With who he gets to play with, like, even though Wheeler and Big Buff are getting older, like, he still has Shifley and Ehlers who are in their low 20s, too. It's it's not getting any worse. Jack Rosovic, Kyle Connor, like, it's only the talent, The talent is there. And he's taken 89 fewer shots than Ovechkin and has just two fewer goals. Right. So, I mean, Ovechkin's a guy who kills you by just rep- shooting <laughs> to just so sheer, much. sheer volume. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his shot in that one spot on the power play is just godlike. But uh, in game, he's not picking. He's not getting as many crazy shots outside of the power play, like like Line A or even like Stamkos is. I'd say those two guys probably right now. If I had to pick my like best shot in the league, they'd probably be my first two. Yeah. Okay. Um. Before the three point challenge, there's one little thing I want to do. Um. I'm gonna pull up 
the goal leaders right now. And mm-hmm. how many players this year do you think get to 40 goals? So I'm gonna list I'm gonna list off let's like realistically, how many would you need to have at this point? Thirty? Uh there's probably a little more because I mean you sixteen games, ten goals in sixteen games is quite a lot. I mean, it's certainly possible, but that takes uh that takes quite a heater. Okay, so well, here's the thing. I'm gonna list the two guys that are at thirty because if anybody could get on that heater, it's probably these two. Um Okay, so there's 12 people that have at least 30 goals this year. Um, Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid both have 30. Uh, I mean, it's in play. I don't. I wouldn't think either do, but like you said, they. <laughs> you're talking about arguably the best player in the game and the hottest player in the game, and they could score a will. So yeah, they they're not dead. I don't like their chances, but it's possible. Okay, um, two players have 31 goals. Anders Lee and John Tavares. Islanders have been ice cold. So. I wrote about it yesterday, though. Like, It is interesting. If they can re-sign Tavares, even if they miss the playoffs, you have to consider this year a massive success with the emergence of Barzil. Um, yes. But, I mean, I think they both end up getting, I don't know, 36, 37-ish. Maybe one of them gets hot, and then the other one ends up getting some assists in the meantime. I would say they probably don't, but they could get there. Um, okay, Nate McKinnon at 32 goals right now. I'll say he gets there because he's just going to play. I mean, they're in contention. He's going to be playing 23 minutes. Like He's just going to be playing so much down the stretch, and he's on a heater. Uh He's just been so damn good all season. I'll, I'll say he gets there. Okay, Kucherov has 33 goals. Oh, man. Uh, he needs seven in the final. I think he missed a game. No, he missed two games. So they have 15 games left. Does he get seven in the last 15? Oh, man, that's like right on the fence. Flip a coin, man. I. If they don't rest him, I'll say he gets there. Maybe he sits out a game or two, though, and he doesn't. Like That's right on the edge. All right, William Carlson for Vegas has 35. I'm not going to bet against Wild Bill at this point. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous how the top line is. Maybe, maybe if Raleigh Smith's injury is more serious, but I, even then, like I don't care. They'll slide Neil there, and he'll be fine probably. So uh, I'll say he gets there. Yeah. All right, and then these other guys need like four goals or fewer. I, I think they're going to get there. Eric Stahl, we all agree, we agree yeah. can get four goals in the last 15 games. Yeah. Tyler Sagan can get four goals in the last 15 games. Tyler Sagan yeah. has the third most shots in the league right now. Yeah, he's going to get there. Okay. Malkin needs three goals. Malkin is like the, outside of Taylor Hall, is like the hottest player in the league right now. That mm-hmm. It's shocking no one's talking about it. Um, yeah, Ryan I feel a- like it's been that way with Kessel all year, too. Like Kessel's been so consistent all year that like there's no talk. He's just like, oh, I'm going to put up 90 points. <laughs> There's nothing. You're right. Malkin's just been on such a ridiculous terror for like six weeks now. Okay. Um, and then line A, two yeah, goals I mean, shouldn't be that hard for him. No. And then so, yeah. Ovechkin's already there. So we have eight players that are going to have at least roughly eight players that will have 40 goals with potential for 10, I think. I think one yeah, of one of the Lee-Tavares combo or the yeah. – and Hall then McDavid. one of the Hall McDavid, I think, actually gets yeah, there. Yeah, I'd probably say, I'd probably nine? say be eight, eight, nine. Yeah, probably one of them. Like that's how, 
when was the last time we had nine players or even eight players get 40 goals in a year? Like, to me, the, I feel like it's been forever since that happened. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for reference, last year, those three, uh, Crosby, Kucherov, and Matthews, a couple more, 39. Like, I'm going, I'm going to keep clicking back on years, but, um, you know, four people the year before that, Ovechkin, Kane, Bannon, Tarasenko. The scoring is just up, and that's a big part of it. But teams are getting smarter about how they use guys. Yeah, before the year before that, it was three guys with uh, 42. Although that year they did have nine guys with at least 37, which is a little closer. But uh, I'd have to do some digging. But just clicking quick, I mean, we're not even seeing five guys in a year get that many goals. Yeah, I mean, we're we're right now saying there's a lock at six. Yeah, that, I mean, that, barring injury, I, I would have to say, I mean, the top six guy, or top five guys, I mean, that's four goals in 16 games. I mean, that's that's nothing. And Carlson's pretty damn close to a lock, too. Yeah. And then with, I mean, with just how good Nate McKinnon's been playing, like, it, right. it's really hard for me to sit there and be like, Nah, I don't think he's going to get it. Like, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't, he gets, what, 38? Like, it's not like he's going to fall that short. He's just generating way too many chances to to miss that badly. Yeah. Oh, Are there any, just quick, like, you don't even have to discuss too much. Are there any guys who, at this point, you like their chances to break out next season for those who are in dynasties and out of the playoff mix and looking for some guys to add? Like, that could... I'm not talking breakout like McKinnon to that level crazy breakout, but even be like Brock Besser or even Ricardo Raquel, who's well-rounded off his points. Um, is there anyone? Miko Rantanen is another one. Yeah, can we talk about that for like a quick second? Miko Rantanen's got 64 points in 65 <laughs> games. The, it, I mean, between him and Eric Stahl, which one is more like, wait, what? I think I think it's probably... Rontanen, because everyone is McKinnon, McKinnon, and I obviously I can understand why, but like, even Landis Cogs had a nice bounce back. Yeah, he's pushing a point per game at 20. And, you know, he's a guy I liked. You know, last year he, he showed some flashes. But I, I mean, I did not see this kind of jump coming from him this soon. It's um, definitely like, maybe the most under the radar thing. I mean, it just come to, came to my mind because I was watching uh, Columbus and Vegas yesterday and or Tuesday. I'm I'm in on the Pierre Luc Dubois bandwagon. Yes. I'm going to want him on every, every team next year because you could just see why he was the third pick. He's showing those flashes. Uh, he clicks really well with Panarin. He's a guy who stood out to me as uh, someone I like. If he ends up scoring like 65 points next year, I really wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for me, it's Kevin Fiala and Nico Hishire. Um Nico Hishire is only playing 16 minutes a game. Kevin Fiala is like a little bit over 15 minutes a game. They're mm. at they're at like 42, 41 points, but like the talent around them is so good. Just wait for Hishire next year. Again, it's a number one overall pick, so you know that the talent is there and it grows at an exponential rate. Hishire's going to be playing with Taylor Hall next year, like full time, and he's going to be a year older, a year stronger, a year faster. Like, 
I think he's just going to body people next year. And I know in dynasties, like he absolutely has already been drafted. But if we go back, like next year in the draft, I think I take a higher end fly, like a higher end pick on him, not like third round. But like, yeah, he's a, he's going to be a real tough one to rank because like he obviously could end up being a top fifty player with ease. What's the worst case? Probably like a hundredth. So it's like, how high up do you want to put him? The upside is through the roof, honestly. Another guy who came to mind. I don't know if you'll be able to guess him, but he's a rookie. Uh, he's got twenty. He's got twenty-two goals already, so he's on pace for uh, I don't know twenty-seven goals and twenty-four assists, and he's only playing uh, fourteen minutes a game. And he's the guy that I've complained about on here that isn't playing enough. But um, that's Alex DeBrinkit. Uh, I mean. If he ends up playing 18 minutes next year, I mean, it, it doesn't take much of a stretch to get him to 35 goals, which, you know, sounds crazy, but he's not far off 30 this year. And he's barely playing. So, I mean, he's a guy that you could see have a huge season next year. And it's, you're not really stretching to make the argument, you know, like he's, he's shooting 14%. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he ends up being a 14% shooter. That wouldn't surprise me. And, it's just really getting the minutes, and why wouldn't he get the minutes? Like, who's blocking him? No one. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he's another guy for sure in the lower end of players at this point. I mean, he's been a solid streamer all year, but you could see him uh, have – I could see him pushing 30, 35 goals next year, and I don't think that's much of a stretch really. The same – I mean, Joe Quenville's what's blocking him. but Right. But maybe at this point he'll he'll trust him a little more too. Um, I do like Adrian Kempe too for the Kings. Uh, he's only playing 13 minutes a game. It's another one of these things. But he's on pace for like I don't know a little over 20 plus 20. Like, solid. I mean I could see him doing better with more minutes too. But um, that's something we can worry about later. I was just wondering if anyone stuck out or stood out recently just because I saw Dubois the other day and. No, impressed. I'm all. I, you and me are going to be big Dubois fans come uh, yeah. next year, big time. Yeah. Um, let's do a three three point challenge. I'm trying to think of how many yeah. good game, how many games are there because I know there's a lot for Wednesday. No, Wednesday's only got a three game slate. Oh, so does it really? Be, oh, yeah, damn. Thursday okay. should be pretty packed. Uh, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, looking like eleven or twelve. So Thursday, what's Thursday's definitely the way to go more than Friday or a different day. Um, we're looking at Philly and Boston. Interesting matchup with the top guys. A little Bergeron. It's probably still he's going to be out still. Uh, Winnipeg and the Devils. Let's talk about speed right there. Um, Colorado, Columbus, massive playoff implications. Both teams should agree to just uh, go stand to around first. Yeah, stand around for sixty minutes. Um, Vegas is in Detroit, so you got to love that spot for Vegas top guys. Though it is. A little difficult without uh, Riley Smith, potentially. Buffalo and Ottawa. Uh, the top guys on both teams are playing really well. Like So in a D- from a DFS standpoint, I don't mind taking a piece of either side, really. Like Carlson's playing like, like 31 minutes on Tuesday. Points are coming in. Stone has been solid all season. He's another guy at a point per game, just like no one talking about. And then obviously we already talked about O'Reilly and uh, – in Reinhardt, uh, Rangers at Tampa. I mean, what a good spot for Tampa. Uh, 
Montreal and Florida. Amazing Great spot, spot Florida. for Florida. Um, Anaheim, Nashville, big game for the Ducks, obviously. Nashville's just destroying everyone right now. Carolina, Chicago, sneaky upside for some goals there. Islanders and Edmonton, that game's got like 7-5 written all over it. Uh, Washington in L.A., uh, it, I don't it's hard to say. I, I don't like it's the not, scoring in that one. I don't either. The only thing that scares me is how bad Holpe's been. But he but, be okay but it looks like Grubauer is probably going to get that start. Yeah, I would think so too. And then uh, Blues at Sharks. Interesting. Pretty big game for the Blues if they want to stay uh, hang around the playoff. Pitcher Could you imagine not... if they make the playoffs after trading Stastny and just? I mean, I mean, they did it last year with Shattenkirk, and then they end up winning or. Or no, they didn't win around. They won around the. No, they did win around. The, yeah, they the beat Wild, Minnesota. They? Yeah, 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 they beat Minnesota because so it was like crazier things have happened. Yeah, I think it was Jake Allen just stood on his head for four games and had to make like forty-seven right. saves each game. <laughs> right, but I, I guess crazier things have happened. Um, top ten in points: Kucherov, Malkin, McDavid, Stamkos, McKinnon, Giroux, Kessel, Wheeler, Goudreau, and now Taylor Hall. Is up to tied for ninth with Goudreau, so um, I'll let you go first and add any extra thoughts you have and who you're going to go with. Um, Anaheim's and Na- I think Anaheim Nashville probably is the game of the day. Um, Anaheim's seven two and one in their last ten. Nashville's nine and one in their last ten. Like those two teams have been really good lately. Um, I, I think Nashville's still going to win though. If I'm looking for three point, like to me, oh, I guess we did we list off who's in the top 10? Yeah, I just did. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was looking <laughs> at the games, like trying to make sure I got my pick right. Um, I'm going to go with Matthew Barzell. Uh, like Edmonton traded out of that pick in that draft so that they could get Tam, uh, was it Cam Talbot? No. They traded with uh, the Islanders in that pick, and the Islanders drafted Barzell. This is just classic, please, everyone, try and trade with Edmonton because Peter Shirelli has no idea what he's doing. Um, Islanders get back on track with scoring a ton of goals, and Barzell has like four like four assists in this game. Yeah, that wouldn't really shock me. The other uh, game, the other guy I'm really leaning was leaning towards is Vincent Trocheck. I, I think Florida's just going to murder the mm. Canadians. Yeah, slaughter. You, gotta, you have to like all the, the Florida guys. Um, I'm going to go with Jonathan Marshall. Show I watched a bit of that uh, Bruins Red Wings game on Tuesday, and the top line for Boston just destroyed them the whole game. I and mean, Pasternak had three points. Marshawn had five points. And they easily could have had more. I'll say that they get there this year, or uh, Vegas gets there and just destroys Detroit's top guys. I mean, they just looked awful. And, you know, they had Jared Corot in that, who wasn't any good. They brought uh, Jimmy Howard in, and he was better. But I still don't think it really matters. I think the top guys on uh, – Vegas should have their way, so I'll go with Marsha's show. So, uh, yeah, you can get your picks in at hockey.rasball.com. Anything you want us to talk about, let us know in the comments section. Uh, on Twitter, I'll put our Twitter handles in the description. 
all that good stuff. Uh, anything else you want to add, Reed? No, I th- uh, I think that's it. So, yeah. All right. All right. Take care, everyone.